Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the1-80.org. I had the privilege of teaching Bible classes at Jefferson Academy in East Texas. And one day one of the boys came, 11th grade boy came to class, and he had a funny story to tell. His dad owned a business and worked out of the shop right there by his house. And uh, UPS trucks would show up on a regular basis delivering things uh, to his shop. And the day before, then a new UPS uh, delivery guy had shown up, had never been there before with uh, some packages, and he and my student's dad got to chatting together a few minutes, and then the fellow says, uh, here, take this uh, clipboard, put your John Hancock down, and I'll be on my way. So he handed him the clipboard, he signed his name, and the guy took off and left. And a half an hour later, the UPS driver was back, and he was not happy at all. He came up and he says, hey, I don't know what kind of a smart attitude you think it is. It wasn't funny at all. You've wasted a half an hour of my time. When I tell you to put your John Hancock down on the paper, I mean to write your name, not write John Hancock. And he said, but my name's John Hancock. And he says, hey, I'm not playing games. Put your right signature down. You've wasted a half an hour of my time. And Mr. John Hancock pulled out his driver's license and handed it to the fellow, who was quite embarrassed and apologized for his anger and went on his way. John Hancock really was his name. That was his true signature. And I don't know, I haven't heard it in a long time, but it used to be the saying, put your John Hancock down. And his name was really John Hancock. But when we're handed something to sign, it's supposed to be our name we put down. So I have never put John Hancock down when it was handed to me. How about you? No. But Mr. John Hancock did it all the time. <laughs> and this day, the UPS driver got upset. You know, in a way, God signed the only part of the Bible that he wrote himself. Of all the Bible... There's only 16 verses that God actually wrote out with his own hand. All the rest, he chose someone to be the writer for him. He inspired them with the message he wanted them to give. They wrote it out and delivered that message. But 16 verses in our Bible, God wrote himself. Do you know what it's called? The Ten Commandments, that's right. God wrote the Ten Commandments. Instead of trusting a prophet to write these words, first of all, the entire nation of Israel heard God's voice from the sky, giving them the commandments. And then he wrote it into stone so that they would remember it always and forever. He wanted... He wrote what he wanted them to do, and he wrote what he wanted them not to do. He gave it to Moses so that they would remember it forever. Now, to the Israelites at the time, it was obvious who had written these commandments in the stone, right? But for those who weren't there, 
and that's most of us. It's a fair question to say, who wrote this and who has the right to give these commands and expect that we're going to follow them? Well, God didn't just leave it for us to try and figure out or to argue about commandments. It actually tells us who wrote. So let's take a look at those Ten Commandments. You'll find the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. As we look at them, I want you to look and see, is there anything that says who it is that wrote them? And what gives him the authority? What gives him the right to give these laws? Well, we get a good start in knowing the answer to this question in the two verses that actually precede the Ten Commandments. So let's look at Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2. And I am wondering, Nate, we're not seeing the screens uh, turned on this morning. Do we have a technical difficulty? What's that? Oh, these work. As long as these work, that works. I don't need to see the one in the back. <laughs> so we're doing okay. Um, Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Well, the Israelites had seen the power of God in the ten plagues, for one thing, right, that came upon Egypt. They had seen the waters of the Red Sea parted when God did, when Moses did, what God told him to do, stretch out his rod to the waters, and the waters parted, and they got across the Red Sea. They had seen together, and the army that was chasing them was wiped away, and they were safe. They had seen all of this. And now they heard the voice of God from the heavens. In fact, it, it scared them so much, they said, Moses, tell God to talk to you and you talk to us. We think if he talks to us again, we might die of heart attacks. Uh, it, was, it was quite an experience for them. But I want you to realize something. It's the fourth commandment that seals the answer as to who it is that wrote it and what gives him the right. So let's look at the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. It starts out, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Who wrote the Ten Commandments? God did. In this commandment to remember to keep the Sabbath day holy, God declares in verse 11 that He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. As the creator of the world and everything in it, do you think He has the right to give directions of how that creation is to live? I think so. There's something else I want you to notice. Who does the Sabbath belong to? 
starting in verse 8 again, and some of you are giving me the answer. Starting in verse again, re verse 8 again, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Who does it belong to? The Sabbath belongs to God. He wrote it right there in the Ten Commandments. From time to time, someone will say to me when they learn that I keep the Sabbath uh, holy, they'll say, oh yeah, Saturday is your Sabbath. And I'll say, well, actually, it belongs to God. I've met a number of people, though, that are confused about another verse in the Bible that's in Mark chapter 2. Jesus and the story goes, uh, Jesus and the disciples were walking one day along a field of, of wheat, a field of grain. And uh, the disciples were a bit hungry, so they pulled some of the grain, and it was ripe. They rubbed it in their hands, they blew the chaff away, and they threw the, uh, the grain into their mouth and, and ate it. Have any of you ever ever done that in a wheat field? Am I the only one that's ever done that? Oh, several of you, several hands going up now. I like doing that. It's fun. I wouldn't want to make a whole meal of it because it's rather chewy uh, um, and, and, and tough. But if you get it before it turns hard, you can actually uh, rub the chaff off, blow it away, and eat it. And I've done it on purpose just to do what the Jews, what the disciples at least did that particular day. But on this particular day, there were some fellows that were there that weren't pleased by what was going on. Now, it wasn't that they weren't pleased because the disciples were stealing grain from a farmer. No, it was the custom of the day that it was okay to do this. What they were upset about is that it was the Sabbath day. And they pointed out that this just wasn't the right thing to do on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to be harvesting your fields on the Sabbath. Well, were they harvesting? Harvesting the field? Well, no, but they were picking the grain and they were eating it. And uh, so Jesus talked to them. He reminded them of a couple of things that they must have forgotten about. And he said, and verse 27 is what I want you to see. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, I've had several people tell me that they understood this verse to be Jesus saying, the Sabbath is now your day to do with it whatever you want to do. In fact, they've told me the Sabbath is my day to choose whichever day I want to keep as a Sabbath. That's what Jesus said right there. Do you see it? Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. So it's my day. I can do with it what I want. Well, every single person who's told me that, that was willing to go and look through the Scriptures and, and compare verse and text with text, have all been convinced that there's absolutely no basis for concluding that God gave you that day to do with whatever you want to do. The Bible is consistent from, consistent from Genesis to Revelation that God wants you to keep this day holy. It is His day, and He gives guidelines for how to do that. And it was written in stone. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and He rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and He hallowed it. Hallowed means He made it holy. Now I want you to keep this in mind. 
want to take a little sidetrack. And uh, Nate, will you put a picture on the uh, screen for us? There it is. Does anyone know what this is? I'll give you a hint. It's a picture off the back of, of, of a dish, a piece of fine china, it says up there. This is called a trademark or, or a back stamp. It tells who the maker is, who, who made it, where it was made, and uh, it distinguishes the, in fact, it will tell you, give insight of the value of that piece of China and what it is. Let's go to slide number two. Here's another one. This one came from the Royal Worcester Fine Porcelain. Now, I found the last picture and this one online to share with you today. And uh, I learned that the uh, uh, Worcester Porcelain Company began in 1751. And over the years, their seal, their, their back stamp has changed so that you can actually know, or those who do know how to assess the value of a piece of china, can tell you what year, or fairly close to what year, it was uh, manufactured in, uh, depending upon the change through the years of this back stamp. Let's look at the next one. Now, I took this one myself, actually, and it's, can you read what it says? I put it on the screen because I didn't figure you would see it when I held it in my hand. This is what I took the picture of. False graph. Do any of you have false graph in your house? Several are nodding. My wife likes false graph, and so I brought this little picture today. This one is not just printed on. This one is stamped into, embedded in, and uh, so that's a picture of the bottom of our little pitcher that my wife likes to put syrup in when she makes waffles for us. And uh, it identifies who made it. And I imagine somebody who knows can figure out when it was made, but I don't know that. Next slide. A little bit different, but this is a painting of somebody doing a painting. Does anyone know who this is in the painting? Norman Rockwell? How did... General MacArthur? That's a good question. Good guess. But there's a name on there, and I didn't ask Nate to make it to where it would zoom in. But down on the bottom of the picture that he's painting is his name. Norman Rockwell. And I don't know Norman Rockwell. Well, I, I, I've seen lots of his paintings and I've come to recognize them, but I wouldn't recognize him by looking at this picture. Except that it says Norman Rockwell, so now I know what he looks like. And I can recognize his paintings and say, oh, that's a Norman Rockwell. But you know what? I have discovered that I look at a painting sometimes that says, oh, there's a Norman Rockwell painting, and somebody else's name is on it because they've copied his style. They're, they're not uh, trying to pass their work off as his. Their name is signed, but there it is. His name lets us know that's his painting. The next picture. 
Does anyone know what this is? This is the signature of George Bush when he was governor of Texas with the official state seal affixed to the document. And it's actually the only picture I could find anywhere of an official signature and seal from any of the states or any government. And so I found this one and I thought, well, we know the name George Bush, a president a few years back, governor before that of Texas. And as we look at this, official seal that whatever document was on it makes it official it documents that this is the real thing an official seal document will include the name the position or the title and the territory in which the one who has the authority has sealed it so do you see all three in this picture is the name there George Bush. Can you read that? Because uh, I know that's who it is, and I've told you I can read it, yes. <laughs> he should have been a doctor. <laughs> the name is there. It says on there, Governor. Do you see that at the bottom? Governor of the state of Texas. And it has the official seal stamped there, making it official. You know, as we look at the Ten Commandments, the seal of the Ten Commandments is actually in the Fourth Commandment. Let's look at it again and see if you can find those three things in it. The name, the title or territory, the title or authority, and the territory. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days show you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. There it is, the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord, there it is again, made. That's an identification of his position. He is the creator. He made, and what's the territory? The heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. All three are right there in the fourth commandment, identifying. If name, position, and territory were not there, then this amazing set of ten laws that cover the entirety of the human experience could be attributed to quite a number of different historical world leaders. But there is only one who is God. There is only one who is Lord and Creator. And there is only one who is ruler of all heavens and earth. Our opening scripture this morning, and thank you for sharing that with us during the song service, was 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Let's look at it again. This is just one of a number of verses in the Bible that talk about the seal of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. I like that, his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
God's seal on something identifies him as the owner. A seal is something that when pressed against soft material, impresses itself upon it, such as this picture before it was fired and made hard, was impressed with this stamp, this back stamp, trademark of false craft. Revelation 7 also speaks about the seal of God, and I want you to look at it there with me, if you would. Revelation 7, verses 2 and 3. John says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of God, the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. This sounds like a very, very important thing that needs to be done that God's people will want to be sealed, to have His mark. God wants to put His seal upon us, to mark us as His. And my question is, how does He do this? Well, let's go back to the pillow fight. A one-minute pillow fight didn't leave a mark of a pillow on a single one of us. But... We can be marked by a pillow by spending time with it pressed against us, right? Well, that's the way it is with the seal of God. Time spent with God leaves His mark upon us. Am I right? Time with God changes us and it seals us as His. We become like Him and we're recognized as His. To spend time focused primarily on worldly pleasures also marks us. We spend time with the world and we become marked with an attitude of independence and no felt need of God. The seal of God will only be pressed upon those who spend time with God. I've been impressed that receiving the seal of God is not a sudden act of God in coming in. There, you're sealed. But day by day, as we make our choice of to spend time with God or not, we are impacted and we are marked. The seal of God comes by our daily choices of spending time with God. As lines of a pillow can leave its mark on soft skin, so we receive the impression of the Holy Spirit and we are imprinted with the image of Jesus. The seal of God is the impression of His and His character upon us, making us like Him. Our characters taking on the image of God. So, time with God and obedience to His principles and obedience to His commandments molds our characters into a character such as His, imprinted like a seal on any document would do. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Ezekiel 36. 
There's a couple of chapters I want us to look at this morning in Ezekiel. This first one, Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, I want us to understand within the context of what we're talking about this morning. And I want you to listen, and, and I, I hope you will pray for this promise to be fulfilled in your life. The scriptures tell us, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. What does God want to do? God wants to, wants to give us soft hearts, to take away our hard hearts. He wants to fill us with His Spirit. That's what we read, right? And He wants to cause us to walk in His statues, to keep His judgments. Jeremiah uses different words to say much the same thing. In Jeremiah 31, verse 33, Listen to the promise in the last half of this verse, a promise for all those who are willing. God says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and they will be, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Jeremiah makes it plain. God wants us, God wants us to keep his law. And he wants it written in our hearts so that we'll just naturally be doing what we want to do. Psalms 37 tells us God promises, I'll give you the This is the promise of God giving us the desires we want and putting the desire within us to keep the laws of God. The second chapter in Ezekiel, I promised you two of them, is Ezekiel chapter 20. And I like this. I always remember Ezekiel 20 because to me it goes in harmony with Exodus 20. Turn with me there if you would. But as you're turning, I want you to think of the word seal and synonyms. Before we read Ezekiel 20, let's talk about synonyms for the word seal. And I'm not talking about walrus. Okay, seal and walrus aren't synonyms. They're similar animals. <laughs> A seal like we saw from the state of Texas and Governor George Bush. A seal. What's a synonym for the word seal? Any ideas? A what? An imprint. That would be, that could be a synonym. That's a good one. Anyone else? I actually looked it up online, so I would have several of them. And impression, it said, imprint is, is just as good of one. An impression. A stamp. A mark. Several different ones that are synonyms. We're going to find another one. Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Well, God signed the Ten Commandments as the Lord our God, creator of heavens and earth. It's the mark of His authority. It's also His official identifying seal, and the Sabbath also marks His followers. Ezekiel makes this Important part, point, and he makes it again. Look down in verse 19 and 20. I am the Lord your God, 
walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So yes, sign is also a synonym for the word seal. Keeping the Sabbath marks his people, identifies them as his. It's a sign that they have accepted his authority in their lives. And as we keep his laws and spend time with him, we are changed and we are molded into his image. What day of the week is the Sabbath? Saturday. Now, the reality is almost the whole world universally acknowledges that this is the case. Saturday is the Sabbath. So, why this particular day of the week? Why not Monday? Well, because, simply because God said so. God chose the seventh day of creation that we in our language called Saturday. And he said, this is a holy and a special day. He chose it, he blessed it, and he made it holy. But scientifically, there's no way that I know of to identify what day it is. If you're kept in a dark room for a period of time with no clocks or anything like that, and you're brought out and told to test this day any way you want and tell me what day it is, to figure it out, the sun rises and the sun sets the same on every day. The air is the same. The world around us looks the same. What makes this day holy? God said it was holy. That's it. And he asks us to remember that he made it holy and to consciously keep it holy. Now, I believe this to be true. But I believe this is true. I believe if in the Garden of Eden, a piece of fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had been taken to a food lab and tested, they would have found nothing safe for human consumption. I think it was totally okay to eat so far as its composition and makeup was. But what made it dangerous to eat that fruit? God said, don't. God said, don't. It's simply because God said, that's the one you don't have permission to eat. And he knew why. It was, and it was like a simple, easy test. Had you been in the Garden of Eden, would you have eaten from that fruit? From that tree? Well, knowing what we know now, I don't think any single one of us would have. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve decided one day to eat of that. Like the fruit in the garden, I think the Sabbath is a simple test. Simply because God said so, that makes it so. And are we going to submit to and what he says? Do we obey or do we choose to disregard when we don't see it as important or insignificant and make up our own minds keeping the sabbath keeping the sabbath is a sign of submission and honor to god it marks us now there's a couple of verses in isaiah i want us to look at or a couple of chapters uh, we're going to pick some verses out of and we're going to start with isaiah 56 
In Isaiah 56, verses 1 and 2, we read, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. You know, I've had a number of people also tell me, well, you know, the Saturday, that's the Jewish Sabbath. Have you ever heard that? Saturday is the Jewish Sabbath. Well, it is true, those who practice the Jewish faith do keep Saturday, the Sabbath, as a holy day. But it's, the Sabbath is not the Jewish Sabbath. It's God's Sabbath. And there's three quick things I can point out to you. One of them, we've already seen that the Ten Commandments call it God's Sabbath, right? So it's God's Sabbath. Number two, were there any Jews at creation when God made the day holy? No, there weren't any Jews there. What is a Jew? A Jew is a descendant of the tribe of Judah, grandson of Abraham, and great-grandson, thank you. As soon as I said grandson, I thought I left out a generation. Great-grandson. So he is, there were no Jews at creation when God made the Sabbath. And number three, God made it clear that the Sabbath is for everyone. I'll show it to you. We're right there with our Bibles open. We just read verse 2. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Skip down to verse 6. Also the sons of the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. The sons of a foreigner, that means those who were not Jews. This makes it very clear right here. God says the Sabbath is for everyone. It's a sign for all people that they are God's, that they are being sealed, that they are being marked as His. You know, I've also realized something else about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is like an anchor that keeps us from drifting too far away from God. Uh, have you ever taken an anchor with a boat, thrown it out to make sure the boat doesn't drift away? I've done that. It can only drift so far from that anchor. It can only drift as far as the length of the rope. Well, how far is the length of that rope that keeps us connected to, the, to God? That rope that keeps us there, the Sabbath. Our first answer might be, well, it's seven days long. But the reality is it's only half that length. We can only get three days away from the Sabbath. Can we put that slide up that, that shows what I'm pointing at and see if it works for us? Today is Sabbath. Tomorrow, Sunday, we're one day away from Sabbath, right? Monday, we are two days away from Sabbath. Tuesday, we're three days away from Sabbath. We've got a couple of extra marks in this slide. Wednesday, we are how many days away from the Sabbath? 
Three, not four, because the Sabbath is coming in three days. Thursday, we're just two days away from the Sabbath. Friday, we're one day away from the Sabbath. That distance from the Sabbath is only a rope of three days long. We can only drift three days away and three days back. But let's not drift away from God and think that we're not spending time with Him on those other days as well. We were reading in Isaiah 56. Two chapters later, the Sabbath comes up again. Read with me, if you would, Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. God says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor Him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Well, I'm going to share with you some openness and honesty of me and how I, I looked at this in some years past. I looked at it and I thought, that's really strange. And God, I'm going to have to be honest with you. If on this day I don't do anything that's my pleasure, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to honestly say that was fun. <laughs> nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Okay, God, if I'm not doing anything I find fun, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to say it was fun. But I came to realize that that's not really what God was saying. As I considered the Sabbath, I realized that He was saying, six days of the week, pick what you want to do and I'm there with you. One day of the week, can I pick? Can I choose what we do? And that day will do what I want to do? Well, that sounds fair, doesn't it? We've got six days to choose what we do, and God to be with us. One day a week, God says, let me choose. I want to tell you about an interesting thing that happened a few years back that connects with my thinking on this as well. Um, my, my wife was um, heading off to work. In fact, I told her the day before. I said, tomorrow... When you go to work, can you be sure and be home? Don't stay late. Don't work late at home. Be sure and be home by, by 5 o'clock. In fact, I think I told her, be home by 4.30. And she said, yeah, I can do that. What are we going to do? I'm not going to tell you. I have a date night planned. So you be home. And my wife got a little excited about that. Hmm, I wonder what Bob has in mind. What are we going to do? She was home. She was ready. We got in the car and we headed off. And the very first stop that we made, I pulled up in front of Goodwill. And she says, what are we doing? I says, this is the first part of the date. I'm sorry you're all wearing masks because I would love to see the expression on your faces right now. <laughs> and Sherry says to me, Okay, Bob, but just a little note for the future. A date night probably shouldn't include going to Goodwill. But I'll go with you. Okay. So we went into Goodwill. And I'm not one that enjoys shopping. I do like secondhand stores. I enjoy that. I love yard sales. My wife doesn't like secondhand stores. My wife doesn't care for yard sales. But I got her to go with something that I liked to do. And so she 
went along. She was a good sport. We went in and we're walking on. And when we go shopping in regular stores, then um, one of the disappointments my wife has is that I'm not all excited to be standing there. And she, oh, look at this shirt, Bob. Would you like to? Would you like this shirt? I have a closet full. <laughs> So I don't get excited about, about shopping, um, but we're there. And so I'm staying with Sherry and we're walking along and she's staying with me. And we went down this aisle that had these glass dishes and she picked up this picture and she said, Oh, wow, look at this. I said, yeah, that's nice. Do you know what this is? Well, it's, it's a glass pitcher. This is, this is Prince's house. I said, okay. Anyone know what Princess House is? It's a nicely decorated, clear uh, set of dishes, all different kind of pieces you can get. And she said, I have wanted to get this picture. We have the plates, Bob. And I said, yeah, that is the kind of the pattern that's in some of our plates. And she said, and the plates on this. And the price was, you know, only a few dollars. She said, this is like one-tenth the price to get this anywhere else, and this is perfect. Can we get it? And I said, absolutely, and put it in. And she was excited. We went down a couple of more steps, and she goes, look at this princess house bowl. By this time, I was educated. I recognized it. It matched the picture. And she looked at the price, and she goes, Look at the price of this. It's only a few dollars. This thing is worth $50 at least. Can we get it? I said, put it in. We went out of there with, I don't know, three, four, five different pieces of Princess House that she picked up. And Sherry was so excited. And guess what? I had fun too. And can you believe this? We've had a number of dates and stopped at secondhand stores since then because Sherry said, you know, there may be something in that secondhand store that might be worth looking at. It's definitely not rated as one of her highest enjoyments, but we had fun. It was a date. I realized from this, if I let God choose what we do and go along, I just might find out how much fun it is and something that I want to become a regular part of my life just as well. And I have a question also. Does it, about the Sabbath, does it really matter which day is the Sabbath? God made the date, but does it really matter? God's there always question for you ladies specifically. If your husband shows up with flowers the day after your anniversary, does it really make a difference? <laughs> okay. A young fellow in here shook his head no. He doesn't know what you ladies know. <laughs> it makes a big difference if your husband shows up a day late for your anniversary. Okay, let's bring this to home. If it's your birthday, no matter what age you are, and nobody says happy birthday and nothing is done for it, is that going to bother you? But what if they suddenly surprise you the next day with a party? Well, but you missed yesterday. <laughs> There's still something. 
God made the date. If my wife would have called me up and said, Bob, I can't make it today. Can we make the date tomorrow? Would I have said, okay? Probably, but I would have been a little bit. I wasn't important enough for her to meet me on the day, the date that I set. If I, chose to be, if I choose to be molded by God, if I choose not to be molded by God, if I choose not to be molded into complete harmony with God, His character, His law, and His will, I do not, and I never will, have the seal of God. You know, going to church on Sabbath is no guarantee that we're going to be a part of the eternal kingdom of God and that we're going to be sealed by God. But keeping the Sabbath and spending time with Him will change us. Truly remembering to keep the Sabbath day holy, spending time with Him in His Word will imprint His character upon us and we will be sealed with the seal of God. And God says, remember, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. To keep something holy means that those things that are going to distract me from God need to be put away. So on the Sabbath, I play my guitar, but I don't play secular songs. I play songs praising God. On Sabbath, I may watch an inspirational video on a variety of uh, sources out there now, but I choose not to watch secular television or movies. It's a focus on God and things of God. I choose not to read secular books or magazines. They're put away. They might interfere with me remembering that it's the Sabbath day, that it's a holy day. On Sabbath, video games are turned off. On Sabbath, I don't mow my lawn. On Sabbath, we don't have a church work bee. It's an important time to be together, but it's a day to intentionally put aside things that distract us from the things of God. Yes, I'm blessed with any time that I spend with God, whether it be on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. But it's the Sabbath that God said, remember this day to keep it holy. The problem lies in failing to keep the one day holy that God said to remember to keep holy. And complete Obedience to God, complete submission to Him, makes us pliable and moldable. And God can adjust us and recreate us and restore us. Choosing to disregard one thing that God asks is to be marked with the same attitude that Lucifer has. Choosing to obey God when we agree but not obey when we don't see the importance marks us. Marks us as being in rebellion. Everyone saved to eternity will, will have been sealed, will have been marked as belonging to God. Every single one of us will have said okay to the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and beginning the work of transformation that we all so desperately need. 
let's make sure that we're all a part of that group. Now, I like to send out emails each week. I've done it three weeks in a row now. I ended the email that I sent this week with this quote from Alice Walker, an American author and Pulitzer Prize winner. It's something that made an impression upon me. I hope it speaks to your heart as well. She wrote, anybody can observe the Sabbath, but making it holy surely takes the rest of the week. Think about that. Please look us up online at the1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.